Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Is it okay if I tell you guys a couple jokes really quick? I just need to honor my dad. Um, not, well, my, my father in heaven, but actually my dad. Um, he's a big joke guy, so I, I have to do him right. Um, I was actually gonna tell you guys a couple jokes about peer pressure, uh, but my friends talked me out of it. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I got peer pressured into doing, doing this game. It's called the Flamingo Game, but honestly, I, I'm not gonna do it anymore. I'm putting my foot down. Thank you. How many of you guys, how many of you guys are being honest? It's hard not to fall into peer pressure from your friends. How many of you guys? Okay, you need better friends. You literally were the only person I saw raise your hand. Why are they, what are they making you do? Like, why are you struggling, man? We'll pray for you after. Okay, jokes are over, jokes are over. I'm gonna start now. Um, today we're talking about standing strong. Everybody say, stand strong. Stand strong. I'm gonna talk about standing strong against culture, standing strong against culture. I want to read this uh, verse to you and then I'm going to pray. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Lord, as we speak today, God, as we, as we sit in your presence, Lord God, let us hear from you. We ask right now in Jesus' name, all of us, as we sit here, that God, our minds and our hearts would be open to you. Lord, that you would disarm anything within us that raises itself up against you, the knowledge of you and your word. God, we ask that you would take away distraction from our minds and our hearts, whatever we came here with this morning, that Lord, we would be open to you Soften our hearts to receive from you, God, that whether we've been here at the cause, coming to church for years and years, or whether today is our first day and we might not even know you, God, you wanna speak to us this morning. So open our hearts to that, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. I like to suggest to you two different categories. One causes us to bend to culture, to just sort of go where it takes us, even if we don't agree with it, even if in theory uh, or, or the idea of it, we, we don't fully agree with it or partner with it, yet we still bend to it. And the other category causes us to stand strong and firm against culture. No matter how many people are saying yes, we say no. No matter how many people are going right, we go left, we stand firm. Here are those two categories. The first is fear of man. Fear of man, this deep worry and concern for how other people see us, for how other people think about us. We want to fit in. We don't want to stand out. We don't want to look dumb. We don't want to look silly. We don't want to be that one Christian person. We don't want to stand out. We care too much about what others think of us. And the other category is fear of God. Lord God, I don't care what others think about me. God, I care more about what you think. I care about your opinion. I care about what you want me to do. I wanna walk in the footsteps that you've created for me, even if everyone else is going the opposite way. Fear of God, fear of man. Fear of man is a trap. 
Proverbs 29, 25 says this, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. My first point, when we fear people, we do things we shouldn't do. We compromise our integrity. We do things we shouldn't do. In a conversation, how many of you guys have just, if we're being honest, and I'm not gonna call you out, even if you're the only person who raises your hand, I promise. How many of us, have found ourselves talking and acting differently depending on the group that we're with or the people we're with. A lot of us. For some of us, we've grown. We've not compromised our integrity. We are the same person at church as we are at home. We're the same person at home as we are at work. We have learned the value of integrity, but for some of us, we still struggle with how we carry ourselves depending on the circle that we're standing in. You know, fear of man fear of what people think of being judged, of being ridiculed, of looking a type of way, it does cause us, friends, to compromise our integrity and to do things that we shouldn't do. I'm gonna give you an example. It can happen to the best of us, by the way. Paul, uh, Peter the apostle fell into this trap, the fear of man. And not, not pre-Holy Spirit, pre-Pentecost Peter who denied Jesus three times. I'm talking about post-Pentecost, spirit-filled Peter the apostle still fell into this trap at one point. It's an easy trap to fall into. Galatians 2, 11 through 13. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him. This is Paul talking. I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. Circumcised, but afterward, when some of uh, some friends of James came, Peter would not eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. And as a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So guess what? When we compromise our integrity because of fear of man, yeah, we compromise ourselves, but did you see that he, he led other people astray too? They followed in, in likeness. They also had a fear of man. Okay, they're doing that. Peter's an influential guy. I'm gonna do it too. I mean, who am I to not do what Peter's doing? Like, okay, if he's afraid of this, I'm afraid of it too. I've seen it so many times. One person who's just too concerned with what others think, they compromise their integrity, they do something they shouldn't do, and they lead that example. They set that example for others, and I just watch other people, like little ducklings, follow in suit, speaking poorly about someone else because they're speaking poorly about someone else being rude to someone else or, or excluding them or rejecting them because other people are doing that. Why? So that we can fit in because we're insecure, because we're more concerned about what other people think, that we're willing to compromise our integrity and do things that we should not do, do things that we know in our heart are wrong, but we're just too scared to not do them. We compromise our integrity. Second is this, when we fear people, we do not do the things we should do. We compromise our purpose. That's a good time to let the lights down. I don't know why it happened, but it's cool. I like this. This is a good vibe. <laughs> this is what'll happen if you fear people. Darkness will come. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we compromise, we compromise our purpose. In, in other words, thank you, Jesus. In other words, we might not be doing wrong but we're not doing good and that's wrong. We, not, we might not be sinning, we might not be doing wrong things, but we shrink back and don't do the right things and that's not right. 
I think we fall into this category more than the, than the first. I think for us as Christians, we shrink back and we don't do the things we should do because of fear of man. Let me give you an example. When's the last time you laid hands on somebody in the middle of Target because you felt led by the Spirit to pray for them? You saw that they were struggling, that they were sick. Now, when's the last time I did that? I could ask myself the same thing. And I do, by the way, try to, try to do that more and more. But, but my, my point is this. How many of you guys have felt led? You just felt like, man, I think I'm supposed to pray for that person at the gas station. But man, I, when you start thinking about actually doing it, this, this sense of fear and anxiety kind of comes up. And you're like, oh my gosh, like that's, so, that's such a scary thing. Such a scary thought for me to even just tell somebody about Jesus or literally offer to pray for them in a public place. And yet we've allowed that to become our new normal and we're just, we're just content with living a private Christian life. We're just, kind of, we're just kind of content with coming to church and loving God and, and maybe even we really do love God and we read the word and, and we're passionate, but, but we've kind of allowed ourselves to sort of shrink back and, and be content with living sort of a private Christian life. Do, you, do your coworkers, the people you work with, do they know you, you love Jesus? Do they know you're a Christian? Do the people around you know you're a follower of Jesus or is that just a private sort of personal thing for you? Because guess what? God doesn't call us to do that. I love what Bree shared in ministry time. She talked about loving people. She said, when I, I have decided to follow Jesus, it's funny when this morning, early this morning, I, I, it was just laughing to myself because I think for a lot of us, when we sing that, what we mean is this. I have decided to believe in Jesus. I have decided to go to church most weekends. <laughs> We've made our walk about believing. Okay, great, even the de demons believe. We've made our walk about doing the right things, going to the right things and going through the motions when following Jesus is a daily decision we make. We take up our cross daily and we follow him, which means we love people, man. We pray for people. We don't walk in fear of what other, of others think. We don't walk in fear of judgment, of rejection, of looking silly, of looking dumb, of being that Christian person. No, God is calling us to be spirit-filled, bold and courageous, loving people, loving the world, laying hands on the sick, telling people about Jesus. I know it's a hard thing. I understand that it's scary. I understand it's intimidating. And some of us maybe even have already begun to tune out because we're like, look, that's too much. Maybe just me bringing up the target thing was like uh, anxiety levels, 3000, no way, I'm never doing that. And I've kind of already decided like, okay, I'm just gonna figure out another way to feel at peace. The Holy Spirit will lead you. Trust God. I'm not asking you to step out and do this crazy thing. And if you don't, you're not a real Christian. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, there's more to your walk. There's more to your walk. Instead of a fear of a people, why don't we live with a fear of God? Galatians 1.10, Paul says, obviously I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. When we fear God, we live to please him. We are empowered to be who he's called us to be. We're empowered to be who he's called us to be. Can I encourage you, friends, that there is so much more to your walk with God. There is so much more that God has in store for you. If 
if our life doesn't look like this passionate, crazy adventure with story after story after story, that's okay, but it can look like that. Our, our Christian walk can look like this crazy, wild, exhilarating adventure. It doesn't have to look boring. It doesn't just have to look like, oh, I'm kind of just constantly living my life, saying no to sort of the fun things that I like to do, but they're not right and they're not okay, so I'm gonna just be good and I'm not, not gonna do those things because I'm being a good Christian. And no, it's like, man, God wants this life for you that is filled with passion and filled with joy and filled with excitement and filled with adventure. And that is living the life in fear of God. Because when we live in life fear, with fear of man, fear of people, we don't do the things we should do. But when we live in fear of God, we are empowered to do what he's called us to do. We walk and operate and function in our calling. Friends, if we are afraid of what other people think, so much so to the point where we, we don't pray for people, we don't raise our hands in worship, we don't sing passionately and loud. Why? Because we feel like self-conscious of our voice. And guess what? If that's you, that's okay. God wants to lead you and guide you through. But nobody cares. They have a worse voice than you probably. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? Let's just, what if we worship God like he was the only one in the room and he was literally standing physically here? The presence, the magnitude of God, the fear of God is this awe, this reverence of who he is. So much so that we're taken back to the point where it's like, how could I even consider caring about what these people think? Here's God. I care what you think, God. I wanna please you. I wanna honor you. I wanna obey you. Romans 8, 31, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? If God is for you, who can ever be against you? It doesn't, we gotta trust, man, God is for you. No one can be against you. We gotta get free from the fear of man. When we fear God, we aren't afraid of anything else. We can stand strong against culture. We can stand strong against culture. Truth and love. I'll close with this. I've already went too long. There is uh, ideology in our culture that comes straight from hell. We need to stand strong against that in truth. We need to have a foundation of God. But some of us have standed strong in truth and we've stood up against it, but we haven't, we forgot the love part. We forgot that to follow Jesus and to decide to follow Jesus, we have to love the people with the ideological stuff from hell. Does that make sense? The people who, the people who rage against God, who sin against God, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. He loved the people. Even when we were still sinners, he died on the cross for us. So in, like, in likeness of Jesus, loving those people, those same people who are hateful, who, 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 are, who, who, who pronounce wickedness, wicked people, yeah, we're supposed to love them too truth and love, and it only comes from fear of God, not from fear of men. So friends, let us be a people. That's fine. You can clap. That's fine. Just in closing, let, let us be a people who fear God over man, who love people unconditionally with truth and love, who don't shy back, that we can stand against culture with love and with truth. My name is Marco Espinoza. I am 10 years old and I go to the house. Well, I was going to school with my Bible and then I was doing the book report once a week. 
My teacher told me when I brought my Bible, you couldn't bring your Bible to school. I had no idea I could, we shouldn't do that because I didn't get the reason why I shouldn't bring the Bible to school. When I came home from school, I told my mom that my teacher told me I couldn't use my, bring my Bible and do it for the book report. My mom said, you should just bring your Bible and to, to school because she had no idea. So the next day, I was shocked because he said I could do the Bible for my book report. And so I chose Daniel the Lion's Den. And what I learned about it is that when you're alone in the dark and there's no one with you, God is always with you. My favorite thing about Jesus is that he can help people when they're in bad times, even though they're in a bit of trouble. Having Jesus in my life is awesome because he could give you the life you wanted and give you a new future. When you're all alone, God is always with you. And when you need, when you need him, he's there for you. Wow, out of the mouth of babes, right? Isn't that awesome when you see young people, kids standing up for God? How awesome is that? And I was so moved by Chris. I mean, I'm so challenged. Am I gonna live with the fear of man or am I gonna live by the fear of God? I don't know about you, but I wanna live by the fear of God. I wanna, in everything I do, please the Lord. So my name is Julie. I'm the pastor of the children's ministry here at The Cause. And this morning, I get to talk to you about building strong families, which is super important during this time and season because as a nation, we seem to be readily moving away from any acknowledgement of God, right? And secularism is taking the place of that. And day in and day out, our families and our children are immersed in a godless culture, a culture that wants to dictate what is true and what is moral right? The goal is that those ideals will spill over into what we believe, who we are, what we think, how we vote, and what we do. Now, this might sound a bit depressing and maybe overwhelming, but that's not why I'm here today. Today, I want to empower you because I believe that there are strategies that God has given us, tools that we can use to build our families so that they can stand strong in this culture. This is an exciting time to be a Christian. This is an exciting time to live out our faith boldly. God designed the family and he designed his people to rule and reign in this life. So, when we were preparing for this day-to-day, -day, Pastor John had suggested that we uh, delve into the book of Daniel. So I did that, and I believe that it's so appropriate because Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the star characters in much of the book of Daniel, were in a similar situation. They were Jews that were immersed in a Babylonian culture, and most of what they stood for directly opposed the lifestyle of the day. Right? They had to make continuous decisions as to things that were gonna that might jeopardize their faith. And I don't have time to tell you about it all, but in the end, Daniel and his friends were prospered. They, in matter of fact, they were promoted, even though they did they did life in a way that opposed culture. So my question is, how were they so successful? What were the prominent things in their life that we could apply to our lives and our families today? It's appropriate that we start off by looking at their foundation first and spend most of our time on that because anytime we're gonna build something strong, we start with the foundation, 
Okay, so this is where I need all the kids in the room. Are you out there, kids? Can you stand up on your chairs really quick and I need you to pull out this picture that has the house on the front and the crumbled house on the back. Stand up as fast as you can. And I'm gonna take some of us adults back to our childhood right now. Who remembers the song, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his, come on, sing it with me, on the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock and the rains came tumbling down. And right in it says, the rains came down and the floods came up and the house on the rock stood, what's the word? Firm, can everybody say that loud, firm. Firm. Okay, now kids, turn your page around. Whoop, there it went, just like my son with his drumstick today. <laughs> Showing the back of this. This is the foolish man. And it, there's a house here and it's all crumbled up, isn't it? And that foolish man built his house on what, kids? The sand, right. And so when those rains came tumbling down and the floods came up, the house on the sand went what? Smash. smash. Everybody say smash. Okay, so answer me a question. Houses built on the rock stand and houses built on the sand go splatter, smash. Very good, kids. You guys may sit down. Thanks for your help. So what we learned from the kids is that foundations are crucial to the stability and longevity of a building. And we know from a foundation that every other part of a structure is built. So I wanna look at Daniel and his friends and look at their foundation. Now, if you read the book of Daniel, what you'll notice are references that are either made by Daniel and his friends or by people that knew them. And they speak confidently about their God. They, they call him the God we serve, the God of our fathers. People that knew Daniel and his friends said, servants of the most high God. So the first thing I wanna point out to you is that Daniel and his friends knew who they belonged to right? They were a nation that God has had distinguished and set apart for himself. And as God's people, they committed themselves to have an intimate knowledge of their God. So it didn't just stop with who I belong to, but I need to get to know my God and I want to know him intimately. To support this, they live lives that were consecrated and set apart for God in every way. This made every decision clear because everything sprung from that knowledge and that commitment. We could say that their whole lives were wrapped up in their walk with God. They lived unto God, they ate unto God, their character reflected the God they serve. There were things that they chose to do and things that they chose not to do because in every way they wanted to honor God, right? And because they lived with a constant awareness of God, his ways penetrated every area of their life. We need to have a solid foundation, right? Our foundation can only be found in knowing who we belong to, Jesus. And by committing every area of our lives to a strong, vibrant walk with him, our lives need to be wrapped up in our relationship with God. Church, we're not just checking off a to-do list when we come to church or when we read our Bibles. We're encountering our king, right? King Jesus needs to be everything to us. So let me ask you, moms, dads, grandparents, caregivers, do you belong to Jesus? And if you do, how well acquainted with him are you? I love 1 Peter 2.9. It says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. What a privilege it is to know that if we have been born again, we are his people. 
From that knowledge and total acceptance, every decision we make, every stance that we take should reveal and affirm that fact. And as our walk with God is flourishing, then we can translate that to our kids. Moms, dads, you're to direct your kids and lead them into relationship with God. Your job is to teach them things about God, about his character, about his nature. But in order to do that, you too must draw near to God. You need to be acquainted with him. I need to, as a mom, be acquainted with him. We need to encounter his presence and his love. We need to know his ways. And by the way, this is not just the mom's job. Dads, Ephesians 6:4b says, for you to raise them up with a loving discipline and counsel that brings the revelation of the Lord. So dads, teach them, lead them, and live a life that speaks what it is to pursue Christ with a whole heart. Let me give you some practical applications. Strike up conversations while you're at the dinner table or while you're in the car or while you're doing hobbies together. Talk to them about a heart that pleases God. Show them by example how to love God, how to love their family, and how to love their neighbor. Show them how to deal with their fears and failures. How to do spiritual warfare. And by the way, if your feet are not wet in spiritual warfare, you need to take the time and get schooled in that area because we are living in a time and a season that demands it, right? We need to know how to beseech heaven and deal with hell, right? We need to teach them about how to deal with the issues that they'll face in school. There's a lot of hot topics right now, and the Bible has something to say about all these things. We need to teach them about how to handle their money and tithing. We need to teach them about God's character. Tell them, God's not gonna leave you. God is always faithful. God loves you. God is a God of miracles. Don't be afraid to teach your, God, your kids to, to believe for the miraculous, right? So knowing who we belong to, our King Jesus, let's commit every area of our lives to pursuing him, and then we can translate this to our kids. Number two, Daniel abided by a regular regimen of prayer. Daniel prayed three times a day, and even at the threat of death, Daniel refused to stop praying. I mean, this should tell us something about the importance of prayer, right? Prayer defeats the enemy. It pushes back the darkness. It obliterates the schemes of hell, and it paves the way for breakthrough in life and, and new life to spring forth. There are many things that we can abandon, but prayer is not one of them. So here's the practical application. We need to pray with our spouses. We need to pray with our children. We need to pray as a family, right? We need to pray regularly about everything. There are literally tons of things and ways we can pray. We can pray together at meals, before our kids go to school, in the car, before they go to bed, when they're troubled about something. Dads, when, when, you're, when your son or your daughter comes to you and says, I'm frustrated about this, or I feel alone, or I feel I got left out, or I'm worried about my math test, or whatever it might be, take that time and pray with them. I'm running a race, I'm on a sports team, right? That was, that was huge for me as a kid. I used to run a lot of races, especially, I was always trying to beat the boys. And my, I would always have my mom and her whole Bible study group praying for me that I would do well, that I beat all those boys in the races. And that was a huge thing for me because I, I walked my young years in life with an awareness of God. And I believe that's because my mom's prayers with me. So bottom line is make everything a matter of prayer. Keep it as simple as you want and do it, but do it regularly. You're establishing healthy habits in your child and giving them an awareness of God that will last a lifetime. So pray. Last point I want to make is that 
They refused to worship, worship statues or the gods of the day. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wanted to live holy before God, and that meant only bowing to Jehovah. When they were told they must bow to a statue of gold the king had made, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused. And this is what they said in Daniel 3.18. Let it be known unto you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the image that you have set up. Bold defiance, clear separation. This was an easy decision because they decided beforehand that we will not be defiled in any way. Today, our kids are constantly bombarded with things that vie for their attention. And so are we if we're honest, right? If not kept in check, these things can become addictions, even obsessions, if you will. Some practical application. As parents, we need to have an awareness of what our kids are watching, listening, texting, and engaging in. 1 Peter 5.8 says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Our job as parents is to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom to intercept those things. Did you know that we can intercept those things even before they hit our kids? Intercept those things that will cause our kids to stumble and with that same wisdom, make our kids aware and empower them to live for life, live for God in a holy way. Let's teach our children not to bend, bow, or compromise to the gods of this world so they can walk in the freedom that God designed for them to live in and reach their full potential. So three key things, right? Our foundation, we need to know who we belong to and we need to get, give our whole life to Christ, and the, our whole life to becoming into an intimate walk with him. We need to pray, pray and pray regularly with our families and gods. We need to be aware of them and pray over them and kick them out, right? So that our family can stand strong. In closing, these are challenging times that we're living in. And honestly, things might get a bit tougher, but we don't have to worry because God has given us powerful tools. Second Corinthians 10.4 says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And I love that word demolish. It's taking them down and they're not getting back up, right? The weapons God has given us are more than sufficient. In him, we can build strong families that will stand in this day and age. So we can do it, church. We can build strong families. Right now, we're gonna get to see a, a, a video of one of our youth, Sierra, and how she stands for Christ every day at school. I'm Sierra Chavez. I'm 17 years old. Before I found God, I was constantly seeking other people's validation. Um, everyone and anyone's validation, anyone I knew, every, everyone I knew, um, my parents, my friends, and I constantly set um, these high expectations for myself. When I didn't achieve them, I would just feel down and that I let everyone down along with myself. And I think when I finally started my walk with God, and seeked Him and was in my word, I realized that the only validation I needed was from Him. So when I seeked it from God, I just felt this overwhelming feeling of joy and just peace that um, people look at me sometimes, they're like, how are you so peaceful right now in your life? How are you so happy? How are you so joyful? And I just tell them, because I know like who holds my future and no matter what's happening right now, I know that He has a plan to prosper me and that it's all gonna work out in the end. So, during this season, God is just calling me to continue sharing 
like his word with um, specifically people at my school. I run this um, FCA club at my school and um, through this past year I was able to just share God's word with numerous of athletes and people who don't even play um, sports. So I think God is just telling me to keep doing what I'm doing because it's really making a difference whether I see it in the moment or like a year to come. Your past struggles and your past like decisions do not define you. Um, God loves you no matter where you're at in, in life, um, whether you did a bad thing or made a bad decision, God isn't mad at you um, and that he wants a relationship with you and that he's not hiding. Um, so when you're trying to find God, it's not through this maze, like he's to your left or your right, just waiting and just, just so excited just to meet you and start a relationship with you. Just keep sharing God's word and just live in the moment. <laughs> live in the moment. Yeah, that's it. Aren't you impressed by the amazing young people and kids in our church? Raising up a generation of leaders, world changers, history makers. Even in our children's ministry, we don't babysit kids. We, we raise them up and disciple them in the ways of the Lord. And I'm just so thankful for Pastor Julie and Chris Costello doing a, an awesome, awesome job and partnering with us as parents. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 145, verse four, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. The church is always only one generation away from extinction. And so it is our job at the Cause Church to invest into the next generation. Listen, kids and young people are not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. That's one of the unique things about our church. It's one of the reasons why occasionally we'll have one of these family services where kids are running around and they're coloring on the floor. I don't mind, I was a pastor's kid. <laughs> I went to a lot of church services. But we need, a, we need to, to model to them, parents, we need to model to them what it means to love Jesus, what it means to give, what it means to pray, what it means to worship. And uh, anyways, we've talked about standing strong against culture, standing strong in our family. I wanna talk to you just briefly, real quickly, about standing strong in your world. The book of Daniel is an incredible book. Daniel was an amazing, amazing man of God along with his friends. But there's one verse in Daniel that I really like, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, second half of the verse. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Isn't that powerful? Come on, let's say that together. Ready, go. Good job. Let's do it one more time. Ready, go. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. God has given every single one of us, no matter how old or how young we are, he's given us a realm, he's given us a sphere of influence, he has given us a world that he has called us to reach. If you're a student, one of the primary aspects of that is your school, it's your campus. For those of us that are adults and we're working, it's our workplace. For all of us, it's our family, it's our home, it's our neighborhood, it's our friendships. And so I wanna, from this verse, just give you these three truths, point them out, how to stand strong in your world. Number one is you gotta know God personally. You gotta know God personally. But the people who know their God, listen, Christianity is not 
about religion, it's about relationship. It's not knowing about God, it's knowing God. Are you astounded by that truth and reality, men and women, that the creator of the universe, the almighty eternal one, he wants to know you. He wants you to walk in his love, to walk in his power, to walk in his presence, to walk in his authority and his joy and his peace. We can have a relationship with God. It's not knowing about God, it's knowing him. There's a big difference. I know about Clayton Kershaw, the great Hall of Fame pitcher for the Dodgers, but I don't know him. <laughs> I wish I did, like my friend Pastor Matthew Barnett, he knows him, I don't. Then I could actually go to a Dodgers game because it's expensive, but anyways. Listen, God created you and I. He formed us in our mother's womb. He put us on this planet for such a time as this so we could know him and be in relationship with him. We could, we could walk with him. We could follow him in this life. And then when we die, we could spend eternity with him. The most important thing that you could ever do with your life, that you could ever do with your time, it's to get to know God. It's not to make more money. It's not to have more letters behind your name, further education. It's not to buy a bunch of houses. It's to know God and to become like him. You were created for a relationship with God. You think, how do you get to know God? You spend time with him, just like you get to know anybody. You walk with them, you talk with them, you open up his word, you let him speak to you, you obey him, you follow him. Number two, if you're gonna stand strong in your world, world, you gotta receive strength from God daily. Receive strength from God daily. Spiritual strength comes from the Lord. If you're overwhelmed, God will give you strength. If you feel hopeless, God will give you strength. If you're at the end of your rope, God will give you strength strength. If you're depressed or anxious or worried or fearful, God will give you strength. If you're nervous about a new school year, kids, God will give you strength. Strength comes from the Lord. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. One of the things I think all of us ought to pray every day is to say, Lord, give me strength today. Sometimes you're going through a tough season in your life and you have a hard time thinking about the future. Listen, God will give you strength every day. He'll give you strength every day. Number three, last point, fastest message I've ever preached. <laughs> Number three, take action for God boldly. Take action for God boldly. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Other translations say, shall be strong and take action. The apostle Paul writes in one of his letters, he says, the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of talk, but of power. I love that. First John says, dear friends, dear brothers and sisters, let us not just love with our words, let us love with actions and in truth. Listen. More than ever before, we need to take action for God boldly. I love those testimony videos we just saw. <laughs> Little Marco, I don't even know how old Marco is, brought his Bible to school. Teacher said, you can't do that. Went home and his mom said, yes, you can. <laughs> it showed up the next day and then wrote a book report about Daniel in the lion's den. Or Sierra, do you know how much boldness and courage it takes for a high school kid to lead a fellowship of Christian athletes club on their campus today? 
come on, that's not popular. <laughs> or to get up here and rap her in Austin rapping, I was offended they didn't ask me. It's because I'm, it's obviously because I'm too old. It has nothing to do with my skill or lack thereof. Listen, God has not, no matter what age you are, it doesn't matter how old you are, God still has a plan and purpose for you. God has not called us to bow down to culture or just fit in. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. We are called to stand up and stand out. We're not supposed to look like the rest of the world. We're a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. The Bible calls us aliens and strangers in this world. Jesus says, be in the world, but not of the world. Some of us are of the world, but we're not in the world, and we're separated. We got it all mixed up. You are... You and I, we are not called to live average, ordinary lives. Not when you're connected to the maker of the universe, you're not. You are called, like Chris said, I don't know if it was this or the last one, you are called to live a supernatural life. You are called to live a life of adventure following Jesus. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy or it's going to be perfect, but it's a life that you were created to live. Jesus came to give you abundant and eternal life. There is nothing better than living your life completely sold out for the cause of Christ. No regrets. No retreat. Listen, don't live your life. Let's not live our life to try to please other people, to try to impress other people for the fear of man. Let's live our life for the Lord. Let's live our life for an audience of one. In men and women, young people, you're, listen, God's ways are always better. They're always better. Let me talk to the, the kids and the teenagers specifically for a moment. All the kids and teenagers, we're almost done. Don't worry, we're almost done. That doesn't mean anything when you're a preacher, by the way. But <laughs> listen, kids and, and teenagers, if you're here, this is really important. You need to understand this. You are not a Christian because your mom or your dad or grandma or grandpa are a Christian. You weren't born a Christian. There's no such thing. You were born into a Christian family, maybe, but you're not born a Christian. You're not a Christian because you come to church every week or occasionally, depending on how often mom and dad bring you. Listen, you're a Christian. What is a Christian? It's somebody who follows Jesus. You're a Christian. You're a Jesus follower because you make your own decision. And you, you, you think, man, if God loves me that much that he gave his son, I want to know him. I want to follow him. You have to make your own decision. And adults, same is true for all of us. You got to make your own decision. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. Just choose whatever way you want. All paths lead to God. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus says, I'm the way. <laughs> I'm the way. I'm the truth. Think, what is truth? Truth is relative. No, it's not. Live your own truth. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus says, I'm the truth. He is truth. And I am the life. The kind of life that every person on this planet wants to live, it is found in Christ alone. To be loved by God. To be filled with his love. To be filled with joy and peace. To have purpose and destiny in your life. It is all found in Christ. No one comes to the Father except through him. We're going to do two things as we, we close here. The first thing is the most important thing. What's going to happen right now, this has eternal consequences. Literally, it does. 
because every single one of us were created for a relationship with God. And if you reject God for your whole life, however long you live, whether it's 20 years or 100 years, if you reject God for your whole life, when you die, you will be eternally separated from God in hell. That's what the Bible says. And hell wasn't created for you or for me. It was created for Satan and for his demons. You were created to spend eternity with God in heaven, to walk in relationship with him. But it starts now. It starts in this life. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you've never made a decision. You've never made your own decision that you have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. But you're ready. Today's the day. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. Or maybe you've prayed a prayer, but you've walked away from the Lord. You're not living for, for God at all. You're not, you don't think about him. You're doing your own thing. You know that you're, you're far from him. God actually never leaves us, maybe, but maybe you turned your back on him. You need to change paths. You need to change direction. You need to repent. The Bible calls that repent. It means to change your thinking. If you're not in relationship with the Lord today, you've never made that decision, or you need to come back to him, make a recommitment, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Would you close your eyes for a moment? If you're watching online, you can let our online team know. If, if you say, John, that's me, I'm ready to do that. And the only way, men and women, is through what God did through his son, Jesus, who died on the cross, shed his blood to forgive us of our sins, to bring us into relationship with him. Not only did he die on the cross, three days later, he rose from the dead. He's alive. And that's why we can know him. That's why we can have relationship with him. But you have to make a decision, say, Jesus, I wanna follow you. I want you to be my Lord, which means I wanna, I wanna follow you, I wanna live for you. I want you to be my savior, forgive me my sins. If you're ready to make that decision today on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand and look at me. And I wanna see you and agree with you. One, two, three, lift your hand, hold it. I know you, friend, I see you. I see some young people right there, praise God. Anybody else here, I see another young hand. I see a lady over there, thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Anybody else, just wave at me. I don't wanna miss anybody. Today, there's another hand somewhere over here, another hand over here. That's so good, so good. You can open up your eyes. You can open up your eyes. In fact, do, do uh, one other thing if you would. Would you go ahead and stand to your feet, everybody? Just go ahead and stand to your feet. There were several hands that were raised, and I wanna ask you to do something. We don't always do this, but I, I want to today. We're talking about standing strong, taking a stand. In fact, Jesus says, that if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. So I wanna ask you to do one other thing. For those of you who raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you should've, you know that you should've, and you're ready to respond to the Lord today, I wanna ask you to, in just a moment to get out of your seat and come to the front. I'd like to shake your hand. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer of salvation. And uh, I believe these are your first steps of faith. Listen, if you can't take a stand here, you're not gonna be able to do it tomorrow when you go to work or go to school. We're, we're gonna celebrate with you here in a moment. But I wanna invite you, maybe you brought somebody, or maybe your, your, one of your sons or daughters raised their hand. Come on up, parents, with them. If you brought somebody, maybe ask them, hey, do you wanna go up? I'll go up with you. Go ahead, if you made that decision, get out of your seat, come to the front right now. Come on, come down to the front. I wanna shake your hand, and then I'm gonna lead you in prayer. Get out of your seat right now. Come on, come on down. Come on down, keep clapping, church. Amen. What's your name, honey? What is it? You're serious about this, Stay standing, come on up, guys, come on up. 
Anybody else? Come on up. Look at all these kids taking a stand for the Lord. That's awesome. 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 You guys are awesome, All, every single one of you, a lot of kids. Just, listen, the Bible says, look at me for a moment. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, you're so sincere. I like you. You're beautiful too, aren't you? You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus did all of it. We just receive it by faith. It's called grace. It's a gift. Can't earn it. We don't deserve it. I want to lead all of all of our friends in a prayer of salvation. If you mean this sincerely right now, if you really mean this, then you can know at this moment, I am a Christian for the rest of my life. I belong to Jesus. I'm going to live my life for him. And when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to be with him forever. Let's all pray this prayer, church. If you would repeat after me, just repeat after me a phrase at a time, everybody who's up here. Say, God, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all my sin. Right now, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior. Make me a new person. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I want to live for you all the days of my life. And I declare that heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's awesome. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.